When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome along to SEN Summer Mornings this Friday. We're all fresh-headed after the Christmas party last night as what we would call a, uh, a more subdued affair. Two Buck Chuck was doing his best work. Two Am Tommy was MIA. Alex was there, but Alex is class act as always. As for the on-air people... Tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds. That's all right. That's all right. I was the proxy for Vossy, for Brandy, for Jimmy, for Matty White, you name it. I held a torch... Held the torch to those blokes. Julian King with you. Great to have your company. SEN, 11.70am Sydney. And through the SEN app, as I said, it's Friday. It's my favourite day of the week. Tops are 27 in old Sydney town. Partly cloudy. Now, I'd love to hear from you. We're having a few problems with our text line at the moment. So you can try on 0457 736 736. We've, we've kicked the machines. We've turned it off and turned it on again. We've unplugged the ta- cable, plugged it back in. doesn't seem to be working. So if you want to have a chat about anything sport today, probably best to call me on the open line and I'll happily take your call on 1300 01 1170 while we try and tidy up this text line. 1300 01 1170 and we do have a full show today. I've got the usual Friday chinwag with Jaleesa Rapp's going to talk cricket shortly with the great Robbo. Gavin Robertson's going to join us. I reckon he wouldn't mind sending down some of his offies on this pitch there at Optus Stadium. Adam Collins, part of our call as well, will join us later on in the program. Racing with Chris Nelson and Daniel Garb with a football update. Of course, we have to kick it off with the first test. I, I want to start by saying I like David Warner. I've never disliked David Warner. He's the fighter. He's a scrapper. This is a bloke that had to earn everything in his life. But it's the old adage, isn't it? You never write off a champion. And it was one of my fearless predictions, although probably not that fearless. As we came off air yesterday, I said, you know, I could see Warner and Kawaja getting 100, well, as he didn't quite get there. But it almost had destiny written on it, didn't it? After the Mitchell Johnson stuff, you back him into a corner, he comes out in the only manner in which he knows how to come out, David Warner. And he feasts on Pakistan at home. He knows that Sydney, if he gets there, and he will get there now, will be his last test. It's almost got to be mentally freeing. So, well, I'm just going to go out and play. i got the backing of my teammates. And he did what D Warner does best. And capitalising on that form that he showed at 37 years young during the World Cup. You never write off a champion. And in the process, silenced any debate about his position in the Australian eleven. They said that's why they pick him. Because he can strike like that. He can strike over 70. That's why the man is so dangerous in Test cricket. And I heard Jimmy talking about this morning, of course, he played for Australia in the T20 arena before he'd played a first-class match. He was pigeonholed as a T20 specialist. The thing about Warner, and those that actually know the game, watch him closely, he always had that really rock-solid defence. And you can't be a Test cricketer unless you have a good defence. And he had a good enough defence to make it as a Test opener. To the point where he couldn't get a start for New South Wales and... I understand he, he threatened to leave. He said, you know what, I might go into state to look for a, a gig in Shield Cricket. Finally got picked and the rest, as they say, is history. And here we are of 100 tests on towards the back end of his career. And he was excellent. Not chanceless, but excellent. 164 for D Warner. 5 for 346 at stumps on day one against Pakistan. As we said, he silenced the critics. And did you see, and we'll hear from Warner in a moment, just the, the gesture 
in the celebration. Where does he stand now, David Warner? We can continue this discussion in terms of Australian... We'll, we'll divide it in two because Robert Crash Craddock's done an article today with his top ten Australian batsmen of all time. So where does he stand in that list? Is he in your top ten? And then the greatest Aussie openers, is he the best Australian opener? I think if you're picking an Aussie team to play in home conditions, I think Warner's your opener. A way different story. And I remember doing this a little while back when I was filling for Jimmy in the afternoon program. If you're picking an all-time Australian team to play at home, Warner is one of your openers. Statistically, no, in fact, no, he's so... At the time, just having a look here, so he's knocked off a few stats in the process here, David Warner. So we had that quiz question yesterday about Michael Clark being the fifth highest run-getter in Australian cricket history. Uh, well, he's overtaken Michael Clark. So eight six five one. His last 17 test entries, only two of them have been outside Australia. Last one, Bangladesh 2017. And that was his first century, David Warner, in 353 days. As I said, but you're backing him in. He lifted his total, as we said, to 8641. So he's passed in the process. Viv Richards, not just Michael Clark, but the great IVA Richards, 8540. And Verenda Sawag, 8586. You're talking about elite cricketers of all time. He's entered the top 25 run scorers in the game's history. But this is the key for Warner. Strike rate over that time, 70.5 per 100 balls faced. 70.5. That is enormous in this day and age, in particular. Significantly higher than the second place member of that elite cohort, and that was Brian Lara, at 60.5. That was his seventh score, David Warner, in excess of 150 in his 200 test innings. As we said, it wasn't chanceless. Had a little bit of luck. He should have been caught at mid-on after posting his 100. He got dropped by the debutant, Shazad. He had that big leap, got his fingertips to it. And these things happen. Then on 141, offered another chance to Salman Ali Agar when he advanced down the wicket and was beaten. Didn't get stumped. But then reached triple figures. Did you see that? With a typical Warner shot, rather innovative, uppercut, deep third. And then... He had his traditional victory leap, triumphant thrust, remove the helmet as he does, and then this, this very defiant hand-to-mouth motion. And Candace on social had done something similar, emoji-wise, sort of aimed at, I guess, the media boxes there at Perth Stadium. It just had to be him, didn't it? David Warner, you could just see it. He feasts on Pakistan at home. As we said, his mind was clear. A bit of luck, but that's fine. Let's hear from the champion opening bat. No, it's just anyone who wants to write stories about me and, you know, trying to use headlines, get headlines. That, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's just the fact that I have to go out there, do what I have to do, and I'm allowed to celebrate how I want. Yeah, look, Mitch is entitled to his opinion. He's a former player. Um, you saw Justin Langer's comments. I said he's entitled to it. You can go back to Justin Langer's comments and refer to them, and so be it. Yeah, David Warner. Yeah, Pakistan, very wasteful with the new ball. Wasteful early. The young debutant Shazadi came back really nice with that second new ball, which, let's be honest, we weren't sure would come given how slow their over rates were. I think they had 50 overs completed in the first two sessions, ended up with 84, so they picked up the pace in that final third. Marsh and Carey, I thought, did well to see it at stumps. They were really getting to move around. Still plenty of movement in this pitch. What do you think? What, what can you see? Can you see the big bison turning up? Maybe Alex Carey, point to prove after being dropped from that ODI site. So he got some runs in him. 16,259 was the crowd for day one. Disappointing. I know Christina Matthews, the outgoing 
uh, Wacker Boss wanted at least 25. But 16, 259. Let's go through the cards. So Australia 5 for 346 at Stumps Day 1. Warner 164. Kawaja 41. Mana 16. Steve Smith 31. I'd be curious to see how Smith goes this series. Travis Head 40. Mitch Marsh Unbeaten on 15, Alex Carey unbeaten on 14. A wicket to Shahina Freedy, a wicket to Shazad, a couple to the other debutante, Amir Jamal, and one to Fahim Ashraf. 0457736736 is the text line. Now, we've got a text coming through. Well said, Jules. The lack of respect for Warner's career is disgusting. Thank you, mystery man. Well, that, that makes me feel rather relieved. We may have solved our issue. So the text line number, it looks like it's working again, 0457 736 736. He's great mate, Usman, who we opened the batting with. Did you notice the black armband by Uzi? So he's found a way, Usman, to show solidarity for Palestinians. He wore the black armband, a silent protest, when he went out to open the batting. So Cricket Australia, they confirmed that he was wearing the armband out of solidarity and respect and in line, of course, with the statement that he released on an Instagram video on Wednesday, which we played for you yesterday on the program. So he's found a way there, to a degree, Uzi, to circumvent the rules. Uh, surely one can't be offended by the black armband. And good on him. It's still a statement, though, isn't it? Albeit more subtle. So then the question I ask is this. Is it the medium of the message that people take issue with rather than the message itself? I wonder. Now, I, I like this story. Saw it in the Telegraph pop up late yesterday afternoon. St. Georgie Lawara has started negotiations to lure St. Helens superstar Jack Wellsby to the club. He's the best player in the Super League and issued to a glowing recommendation by Ben Hunt. As I said, as a Red V fan, I don't want to hear from Red V fans. I like it. I like it a lot, the pursuit of Jack Wellsby. Class player. I mean, I think of Gareth Widdop. There's been some wonderful English players in the competitions over the years. I don't know why we don't look at the England ranks more often, to be honest. I know Ricky did that at the Raiders. But Jack Wellsby, you remember that standout in St Helens Shock World Cup challenge win over Penrith earlier this year. Impressive for England in last year's World Cup. And then Flano, the Dragons coach, said Wellsby could play 5'8 or fullback for the Dragons. Because they've got a few issues there with the halves, of course, in and around Junior Ramon, found guilty of that hammer attack, likely to face a lengthy suspension or deregistration by the NRL Integrity Unit. And the upside too, because I know they've been pursuing Dearden. Word is that Dearden's got to stay there at the Cowboys. But Jack Wellsby's only 22. He's only 22. He comes off contract after 2025. The Dragons privately feel they could secure him early. He's also played a bit of wing and centre during his 117-game Super League career. But he's an English test 5'8 and fullback. So he's a quality footballer. And in the World Cup, he was excellent. Ben Hunt said he was really hard to handle. So players that have played against him, and a judge of the calibre of Ben Hunt, if he says he's good, well, you're back in that assessment. And, of course, yes, it's a challenge in getting some of the English players out of their country, but uh, one of the talking points, not just the money, but you say, well, to these players, test yourself in the best competition on the planet. 0457 736 736. Shane Richardson, we've spoken... A lot about Shane Richardson on the network this week. We heard from him as well. He doesn't like the term rebuilt, Richo, as Brent Reid reported. Doesn't like it. We know that he was the architect of Premiership wins while Chief Executive at Penrith and South Sydney. And I want to hear this if I'm a Tigers fan, because some of the reports are that this is a really broken club. 
and they've got many, many years of struggle ahead of them before they start to win games again. No, I don't think it's that bad. He says it's not that bad. Insisted the club was not broken, vowed to replicate his previous success. And he said there's no such thing as a lost cause in rugby league. That's Shane Richardson. You can't let the media blow you off the track. You can't let the politics blow blow you off the track. You can't let a loss on the weekend blow you off the track. If you stick together, you come out the other end. But this was the best part. And it's music to my ears if I go for the West Tigers. Pressed on whether the Tigers needed a rebuild, he bristled Shane Richardson. This is not a rebuild. I hate the word rebuild. It's a rebuild one word or two. It's a build again. Well, semantics there for you. It's a build again. Who knows how good our young players are? Nobody knows what they can achieve. We as a club can't put any restrictions on them going forward. Took two years with Penrith, ten years with South. But both of those clubs went on to win premierships. You've got to stick with them. You've got to back them. You've got to ride it out. But you've got a lot of really good young juniors, Tigers fans. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough. The road back's going to be tough. It might be long. But as Richo said, it's not broken. There is cause for hope. There is cause for optimism. 0457 736 736. Still on the Tigers. Saw this in the Herald in relation to David Nofaluma. He's been given official warning, Noffa, for being late to training. And the reports are that the odds of him playing for the club, again, are lengthening by the day. By the day was sanctioned for not being on time to Tuesday's training session. Only returned to training on Monday. He sat out pre-season for almost a fortnight, as we know, because of this perception of unfair treatment. At odds with new coach Benji Marshall. Do you think he still has value, rugby league fans, David Norfoluma? Does he still have value? Maybe at another club, if not the Tigers? He's obviously talented. I mean, Muggs don't score 100 career tries. He's a very good player. He's only 30. Would you take Nofaluma at your club if he's fit? Could it be one of these, for one of the better expressions, depth signings? Food for thought. A one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Now, a lot of people say, please, let's never mention Eddie Jones again, but this is the gift that keeps on giving. So Tommy Decent went to Japan for Eddie's press conference and, of course, he had to ask Eddie questions. This is how it played out. You've denied links to this job all year, I think more than a dozen times. Can we just clarify when you first made contact with the JRFU and do you, do you feel the need to apologise to Wallabies fans for doing that interview before the World Cup? I didn't do an interview before the World Cup. I was asked by the recruitment agency to share my experiences with, with them on Japan. Some people might have construed that as an interview. It certainly wasn't an interview. The first interview I had with Japan was in December, uh, and that's the only interview I've had. Apologise to Australian fans. Yeah, I gave everything I could for that short period of time, and it wasn't good enough. As we spoke about before, I had a plan of what we needed to do to change Australian rugby. We weren't able to, to do that. Rugby Australia weren't able to help support that. So I decided to move on, and I wish Australia all the best. Yeah, I feel terrible about what I, the results at Australia. Because I wanted to go back and, and change Australia. So I feel terrible, mate. Yeah, but I don't feel any guilt at all about this process. And I know you've been banging the drum fairly strongly on it, right? But I haven't had an interview until December. Eddie Jones, it's funny. It wasn't an interview, mate. It wasn't an interview. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, arm's length. But let's be honest, his people were talking to their people. If Tommy Deason said, please... I'll eat my hat if that was. Of course it was an interview. What did they say, Rose, by any other name? It was an interview. 
Anyway, I think that's officially drawn the curtain on the Eddie Jones saga now that we've heard from Toby Deezus. Didn't Sonny Bill get in with both barrels? Called Eddie Jones a disgrace. And now Ben Alexander, former Wallabies prop, said, you know, no, no, I believe Eddie Jones. Until it's corroborated, I won't believe this this idea or this suggestion that he's spoken to Japanese rugby all of a sudden and came out that he had. And now Ben Alexander's teed off on social media calling Pinocchio and liar and I don't respect liars. Wow. Some of his old charges, not happy with the way it went down. Sonny Bill is quite sad. My thoughts in this whole saga is that he lied. Eddie Jones lied to the players, lied to the public, lied to the Australian Rugby Union. What a disgrace. That's my first point. That's probably the only point you need to make. Burn a lot of bridges. And further to that, I mean, you know, Japan, do they know what they're getting? Do they keep the receipts? Caveat emptor, buy beware. Or his stock's down. And this is what Sonny Bill said. His track record speaks for itself. I'm a big believer in the proof and the pudding. What's his proof? His proof is he's been fired, sacked from England, burned a lot of bridges. I feel sorry for Japan that they believe this guy is going to take them somewhere where his track record shows that he hasn't been able to do so. Seems like he's a bit out of touch with what's going on. Boom. SBW. Tell us what you really think. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. A few texts starting to flow through in and around D Warner. I'll catch up with Gavin Robertson shortly on the program and get his assessment of Warner's innings, Warner's career and all the happenings on day one. What do you reckon? 500? You can see the big bison getting 100? Now, Robert Crash Craddock, I want to run through this before we get to the break. Now, a big admirer of Crash's work and he has written in the papers his top 10... Australian batsman of all time. Now, I've got issue here. Bradman, one, no dispute. Steve Smith, two. Border, three. Ponting, four. Chapel, five. Hayden, six. Steve War, seven. Warner, eight. Clark, nine. Gilchrist, ten. Now, let me preface this by saying they're all wonderful players, all outstanding players. But with respect, I can't have Warner at eight. I love Alan Robert Border. Love Alan Robert Border. My all-time favourites. But there's no way Alan Border is a better player than Ponting or Chapel. No way. You can't have AB ahead of Ponting and Chapel. Adam Gilchrist. Oh, I adore Adam Gilchrist. He's part of the SN family. One of the most entertaining cricketers in history. One of the nicest blokes in cricket history. But you can't tell me that Adam Gilchrist is a better test batter than... A Neil Harvey, for example. It's like nobody existed before 1980, with the exception of Brabham. You can't tell me that Gilchrist is a better batter than Harvey, or Hussey, or Bob Simpson. That's all I'm saying. And we love a list on this network, so 0457 736 736. Would you change something in Crash's list? But further to that, a top five Australian openers of all time. Now, I'm just sort of thrashing something out here, and I might change it, because I've got about seven. I've got to whittle it down to five. In no particular order. I think you've got to go... You'd have Warner in there. Hayden. Simpson. Arthur Morris. Victor Trumper often gets forgotten. Overlooked the 39 test average. Trumper was a master. And then, you know, William Morris-Laurie, maybe Mark Taylor. Bill Ponsford, there's another one. Have a think about that. Your top five Aussie openers. 
And what issue do you have with Crash Craddock? And Dragons fans, are you happy with this pursuit of Jack Wellsby? I am. 0457 736 736, the open line number. I want to take your calls. one 1170 Up and running this Friday morning. Jules in the chair for Matthew White.